Hello, everyone, and welcome to Big Kids Say. Today we have an amazing guest. She has been a mentor of mine. The day I met her, um, she really just took the role. I think she does that naturally for people. And her name is Linnell. I'm going to let her introduce herself. She is the most amazing human being with so many healing talents. So, Linnell, if you would please introduce yourself. Oh, you are so kind. My name is Linnell Garfield. I reign from the Lake Tahoe area in the United States. Um, We're actually in Reno, Nevada, on the east side of the Sierra Nevada mountains. And place is a really important thing for me. Um, I came to Reno back in the day, uh, many years ago, for graduate school and never thought that I would stay. Um, But there is such a healing uh, energetic here that I finished my graduate school and couldn't leave. Um, I also met my sweetie. That had something to do with it too. But I now call myself the wellness scientist. I am a classically trained toxicologist and stream ecologist, hydrologist, and uh, poopologist, if you can believe that. (laughs) And I love working with people to help them live their biggest, most bodacious, beautiful lives. I love that. I'm so excited. Um, I think the most intriguing one is poopologist. I got, um, it's really important. A lot of people aren't aware, but you have to look at your poo to make sure that things are running smoothly inside. It's the biggest indicator, right? Boy, it sure is. And this is going to go down in the hallmarks as the uh, quote of the day, right? <laughs> Check your poop. <laughs> the podcast about poop. No, I'm really not here to talk about poop. Um, I actually studied, interestingly, uh, regarding that substance, uh, the use of the Lake Tahoe wildlands uh, by dogs that were not being cleaned up after and how it affected the Lake Tahoe watershed and drinking water supply. So that's kind of the angle that my research took. It was very interesting, very compelling. Um, but, you know, throughout all my years of research in different universities, um, the thing that keeps coming up again and again and again is if we're not taking care of mama, ain't nobody going to be happy. And with that, I mean, we generally as adults have about 25 pounds of bacteria in our gut And they all are working, well, hopefully they're all, um, beneficially for our digestive support. And if that goes haywire, then it's very hard to have clear thinking, to have a clear, you know, uh, working process, um, certainly to get energy and, and have energy from our food. So it really is the start of a lot of different things. And I love helping work through, you know, how we get to optimize our health um, with our gut being one of the the main support systems of our health and vitality. Yes, I think uh, most people thought it was brain function, but it's really gut health. That's right. Yeah, well, it's they call it the the microbiome, right? Um, The whole gut brain axis has been now uh, researched quite a bit more than was originally um, understood. And, you know, by improving our digestion and improving our daily toilet habits, really, uh, we are improving so many other parts of our lives. It's really pretty wild. Um, 
you know, just how those systems are, are interconnected. Definitely. Now, I got too excited about poop. I went a little bit off track. Um, Linnell, if you could, what going back to childhood, what was childhood like? What has shaped you? Were there any, you know, pointers in life where you just kind of started turning towards healing um, the good, the bad, everything in between? Well, it's really interesting. I was raised religiously. Um, I was actually raised Roman Catholic. Uh, that brought me in my core nuclear family to realize that people say one thing and do another. From a very early age, it felt very hypocritical to me. And I think that anytime we are tapping into a dogmatic point of view, you know, whether it's a, a friend group or a cult whether it's a church, whether it's even a workplace, um, if we're tapping into some kind of dogma that they expect people to swallow hook, line, and sinker, um, it becomes dangerous and it becomes a weapon um, more than a tool of enlightenment. And so I, I have to say, and if any of my childhood friends are listening, um, they'll tell you that I was the most critically thinking child that ever walked the earth. And I, I think I was, was it third grade? fourth grade, I put out a petition to my friends so that they could sign it, making my parents let me go to a sleepover that they didn't want me to go to <laughs> That is so because cute. I believed that I deserved to go to a sleepover. So, um, I feel like I came in very pagan. And so being a free spirit at a small school in the country and running barefoot and climbing trees every day, um, it was fourth grade where they stuffed me into a jumper and Oxford shoes and stuck me on a bus to go to the private school in the city. And it really rubbed me the wrong way. And, and I think that, you know, even though my family wanted me to be this, you know, follow this religion, I had to dig for myself back to what it was in its core teachings that I could resonate with. And it went all the way back to the roots you know, every one of our major religions in the world have conservation and the golden rule at their core. You know, we have this earth to take care of. How are we going to do that? We've been given these amazing friends and communities. And how do we care for them? How do we do to them what we want to have done to us? And so, you know, I found that calling one religion right and another religion wrong really didn't work for me. And so I feel like, um, you know, as I was growing up, I, I studied a little bit of Native American studies and some of the Aboriginal people that were in um, the Sonoma Coast in California um, originally, uh, the Pomo and the Miwok specifically. Um, and it's just the most abundant, amazing, beautiful area and of course, you know, they, they don't even have a reservation there anymore, right? They're, they've been driven to these common tribal lands. and But their teachings and their beliefs really resonated for me. And so I was uh, indoctrinated to the Rainbow Tribe. Um, I think I was 19. I had been at the junior college here in Santa Rosa, well, over there in Santa Rosa, um, taking Native American studies and connected with people who worked at the Native American Museum on campus and 
was invited to go to a ceremony and met some elders. And, you know, that was the beginning of my studies in delving into this more esoteric, more global spirituality rather than hardcore religion, right? Definitely. So um, I think each culture has their belief systems. And if we delve back into the origin of them, um, the Aboriginal people have a much lighter uh, footstep on the earth than those of us that came after them. Um, I definitely agree. And so I really, and yeah. So environmentalism is sort of at my core. And I believe that we are, you know, we can learn so much from the natural world. And my research told me that again and again and again, that if we take care of what's living inside of our body, um, it will take care of us, whether it's our gut bacteria or like in my toxicology research, I was looking at marine invertebrates, the little sea anemones, the squishy guys that live in the coastal intertidal zone. They have more algae living in their cells doing the pollution removal for them than their own animal bodies can do for themselves. Sorry, can, can you explain that a little bit? Yeah, so these sea anemones, they're sort of like uh, sea urchins, except they're, they don't have the bony parts. So they're just the little sea squirt guys that grow at the coast. So they're green. Um, they're colonial, which means that they all have the same DNA. They just keep kind of budding, you know, off. Um, but their algae that grow inside of them make them the green color. And so when I was studying them and what they were being exposed to on our California coast, which was pesticides a lot of the time, we found that the algae living inside of them was actually protecting them from the pesticides more than they were able to do for themselves. Hmm. Plants and animals co-evolved. So when I got to the place in my um, life where I wanted to open my wellness business, I immediately went to plant materials because they are so protective for us. So can you see the thread now? Like it's been there all yes. along. <laughs> so I was really fascinated by that. And I, um, I aligned with uh, a friend who, um, you know, was, was using essential oils and not just any essential oils because there is a huge variety in quality, but food grade essential oils um, recognized, you know, by the government as a supplement and, my boy had just had a very uh, scary medical emergency. Um, he was only five years old at the time. And he had had a virus that gave him 104 degree fever. 104 degree Fahrenheit. So I'm not sure what that is in Celsius. Uh, but it was a very high fever, dangerously high. And the pediatricians are always, you know, scared to death that it's going to cause brain damage. Um and so the direction from the doctor was put him on Tylenol and Advil around the clock and don't let them lapse. And so for two weeks, we dosed him with incredibly high amounts of these over-the-counter anti-inflammatories. And he wound up breaking the fever after two whole weeks, went back to school the next day, then two days later, spiked it again. Oh and so... Brought him home, started up the routine of meds again, only this time 
he developed some weird side effects that I did not like the looks of at all. And so I wrote down everything we had done, <laughs> took him down to the pediatrician's office. Um, he was not there that day. His partner was, and she freaked out completely misdiagnosed us with Kawasaki disease and sent us hair on fire to the hospital where he was poked and prodded and had an IV and he was only five and I had to hold him down for the IV and it was totally traumatic. And he got a cardiologist working with him all day. He had an echogram, a cardiogram. They finally decided to do a flu swab and it was positive. So after eight hours in the hospital, checked into a private room with a private cardiologist waiting on us, we were sent home with a diagnosis of the flu. His body was shutting down from the medicines that we had given him for the fever. And so I really dug in my heels that day and said, we're not getting sick anymore. This is absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. I know better than this, but I was working full time. I wasn't thinking about alternatives. Okay. It was just right. We do what we got to do to go back to work and all the sick time and the boss putting pressure on. So that was my, my call to action from my heart and my soul for my family was find the best possible materials we can use to simply not get sick anymore. Yes. And do you know, we didn't get sick. That kiddo did not get sick enough to go to a doctor for, oh my gosh, almost six years. <laughs> that is so good. I know you use doTERRA and things nowadays. One, one of the things I, I wanted to kind of get a little bit more insight on is from... From when you first started your journey into healing, even younger than that, maybe subconsciously, you you know, you're all, always a healer, even at a very young age. What was something, um, I know you talked about do unto others as you would want done to yourself. I think that golden rule stands the test of time. But is there anything mm -hmm. else that you took from your childhood that now you, what you've learned and at the time maybe it didn't feel like something you know, I don't know how to, you know what I'm trying to say, Linnell. Yes, I, hope. <laughs> I do. I do. I think I do. Um, <laughs> you know, it's really interesting because when I was growing up, my papa was on a merchant marine ship. Um, he was on an oil tanker actually. And my mom was home with us on two acres. Um, we had horses and cattle and chickens and dogs and cats and it was crazy. <laughs> um, but I realized just thinking back, you know, listening to you speak about that, um, Anytime I was having a kerfluffle, which happened quite frequently in my house, um, you know, with one of the other people <laughs> living mm -hmm. in my home, either my parents or my sister, I, I just needed to go get outside and get grounded again. Like that was, that was always my go-to. I mean, I was even, I remember when I was in high school and I had an upstairs room in the newly remodeled house that we were still in, I would climb out on the roof. And just sit under the stars at night if I was having, you know, a hard time or if I couldn't sleep or if I was upset about something or stressed. Connecting with the natural world for me is one of the most critical things that we could each do on a daily basis and multiple times a day if possible. You know, we spend so much time indoors and we're not like feet on the ground, even bare feet on the ground. Even laying down on the ground, you know, just to feel connected to this universal force 
that created us ultimately. I mean, we are made of all of the elements that came from the earth. That's what we are made of. And so it's kind of like a return to, you know, our original place, you know? Definitely. I think um, I can relate to that in so many ways. When I was younger, because I'm obviously originally from New York, the States, and my my mom is Kiwi, um, British Kiwi. So we, when whenever we would come over to visit family in New Zealand, um, we had two months of our American um, summer vacation that we'd come here. So I had... I went from winter to spring to winter again. That was pretty much my my growing up, which I loved. I'm not built for the heat, and strangely, I live in Brisbane now. But <laughs> my favorite thing, my dad would always ask me when, when I was really little because I started going to Opua school for the two months so that I could have friends to play with. And uh-huh. they're allowed to run around barefoot and they run on the grass and things. And my dad would ask me at the end of every summer, what was your favorite thing about going to Oakwood school? And I would say um, being able to run barefoot. And in in the city, you uh-huh. don't get that at all. And, you know, I had no idea what, you know, grounding and earthing does. You're one of the people who really introduced that to me, the benefits of uh-huh. it. But, you know, as a child, you instinctively know that that's good for you. Um, yes. So I I think that's probably, you know, if you haven't tried it, anyone listening, go do it. <laughs> it's amazing. Right. Yeah. I've even started offering forest bathing. Um, so in my practice right now, I'm sorry you haven't been able to experience it in person quite yet. But um, um, one day when I get it. I do applied aromatherapy treatments. So I am a, um, a spiritual ordained minister. Um, so I have the spiritual uh, sense that I'm able to work with energy. I'm a Reiki master and I use the essential oils to enhance and heal the cells of the body that I'm working on as I'm working on the higher levels of spirit, right? So, um, and, and even though, I love, love, love my oils. I also love taking people to the forest and giving them energy treatments in the forest because I feel like there's that resonance that happens with my hands above them and the ground below them. That is just like being wrapped up in the biggest hug you could ever imagine. It just enlivens and thrills and the body when we can drop our armor and actually open and receive, um, there's so much healing that comes through. I've seen in movies, um, they have massages where they have like tree branches and they'll smack you with them. Do, is that similar? Or <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh. Well, I'm not um, smacking anyone. <laughs> um, probably the most outrageous treatment location I had was um, I actually co-taught a wellness retreat with the wellness playgrounds. Um, girls, and we went down to Zinalani Resort in Mexico. It's just south from Puerto Vallarta, and we were there in June last year. And um, I was asked to give a treatment, and we went down on the beach um, under a huge tree 
And so there was the sound of the water. There was the firmness of the damp sand. We were in the shade, um, but there was the slightest breeze and it was just such a beautiful sight. Um, and you know, as soon as I whip out oils in a situation like that, the bugs come because the bugs love the smell of the oils. Um, so I have to be a little bit discreet about that part when we're in a space like that, but it was amazing and magical. And there were insights that were coming in. Um, I was able to open my, uh, channeling ears and and mind and that's one of the gifts that I've been given is being able to um, do readings for people when we are able to connect in such a way and so you know those that receive Reiki from me sometimes get some um, some channeling as well which is always kind of fun when that shows up Um, but it was just the most delightful um, treatment place and you know over here in Reno um, we are about 45 minutes off the shore of Lake Tahoe up and over the mountain Um, but we are about five hours from the coast so not the easiest place to take you to the coast and give you a treatment but I do have some amazing mature trees in our our uh, our yard outside the studio and I I love getting people out under the trees I just feel like there's something so magical out there Anyone listening, so, definitely visit Linnell. Get in touch with her. I'll, I'll, um, I know you have a website. I'll get you, if you could, spell it out for everyone. And then at the end of the session, we'll do it again. Just Sure, yes. So I call myself the wellness scientist. And my website, because I'm also a children's author and an environmental scientist, um, is just my name. So Linnell Garfield, L-Y-N-E-L-L. Garfield, just like the cat, G-A-R-F-I-E-L-D.com. Um, I do have a really magical property here, and I love um, leading, you know, day-long retreats. Uh, we have different workshops here on our property, and um, those are going to be, the calendar is going to get updated very soon. Um, but for right now, we're online, so like yesterday was just a full moon. Um, I think we're going to start um, getting some regular meditations organized again because it serves the community so nicely. And yeah, so I just want to thank you, Elisa. I really appreciate done in just, some of the first interviews. <laughs> thank you so much. We're not done just yet. A couple more questions for you. One of the things I've been really wanting to get a bit more scope on for everyone who comes on the show is how do you personally view the world? What what stage is the world at um, from your point of view and perspective and the energy you feel? Hmm. Well, I would have to say that I think the subtext for that question is, is the universe a friendly place or a hostile place? Yes. Because depending on how you answer that question, the rest unfolds. So I believe that the universe is a very friendly place. I believe that we are on a very warring planet. And I also believe that we get to choose where we live. So we get to choose what we put our intention into. And where our attention goes is where energy flows. And so I choose 
look at this planet as being very young, <laughs> very young in its outer expression is very overt. And I also choose to support the lightness and the subtle energies of it. So, you know, anything we can do to bolster our own connection with ourselves, of course, self-inquiry is the top of Maslow's pyramid. So, um, I don't know if you've come in contact with um, the psychologist from, I think, the 40s, um, Abraham Maslow, but he came up with this pyramid, and it's sort of the hierarchy of needs, where, you know, it's starting at the bottom of the triangle, right? And there's a horizontal line at the bottom, and then the first horizontal line above that depicts the first step, which is survival. Survival is the very first thing that we are focused on. And if we have that need met, then we move up to the next stage. The next stage, of course, you know, there's another horizontal line, and that is safety. If we feel safe in our bodies and safe in our living conditions, safe in our homes, perhaps, you know, no one's shooting at us or, or dropping bombs, then we can move on to the next one. And then there are, you know, friendships, um, friendships is the next thing. And so if we are able to develop friendships, then of course the whole community thing allows us to find love interests. And so, you know, as we move on up, the very tip of the pyramid is self-actualization. This, the inquiry of ourselves and what makes us up. And this is paramount for all of human evolution through time and space. And, you know, the great masters believe that by healing ourselves and working on ourselves, we go forward and backward in time to heal backwards through our lineage and forward through our family line. And so if we believe that, then anything is possible. I've heard the quote, two halves can make a whole unless both halves are whole themselves. And something that you just, gosh, what was it? Where... You know, you go up these levels and on the third one, you get friendship, community and love. Do you think that it, it kind of comes into play with that, that quote I'm feeling is, you know, if you're not whole, if you haven't done that inquisition into yourself and healed yourself, and then you go into a relationship, it's going in as like half of what. Right, right. Well, capable of you know, I, I think there's. I think that's a brilliant question. And it's like, that's sort of, if you enter into a relationship expecting someone else to fill you up and make you happy and make you feel the way you want to feel, then on a fundamental level, you're putting an amazing amount of pressure on that other being. Mm. And wouldn't it be nice if we were both standing next to each other, looking off in the same direction, making plans together as um, autonomous beings? who choose to be together rather than need to be together. Sort of, there's like a desperation there, right? Yeah, definitely. I think so, that ties into never putting anyone on a pedestal, which is something that I've been learning mm -hmm. recently. Not ourselves, right? not anyone else. That's like a huge lesson. Um, right, right. But we also have to put the oxygen mask on ourselves before we can help anyone else. 
And I see so many people who are just really struggling in their own lives, trying to prop up someone else who's struggling. Um, not to say that, you know, you can't. we reach perfection before we enter a relationship. But I mean, I think that finding those insights within ourselves first and sharing that with another person um, maybe is a little more solid than expecting them to give us our insights. Do you know what I mean? A hundred percent. Nice. Definitely. I knew you would. (laughs) (laughs) So it's really interesting when we delve back, you know, taking that insight and this, this conversation and we dive back into plants and essential oils. Um, our ancestors used to come in contact with over 400 species of plants on a daily or at least weekly basis because we were hunter-gatherers and we were out in the natural world and this was our home and this was where we were in stasis, in a healthy space, you know, inside and outside. And we've retreated into these fabricated environments now where we are, you know, cut off from the natural world in most areas and yet we're bringing in chemicals to do the things in our homes that we need to have done. Um, Our cellular memory, our lineage reminds us that plants, natural, real plants, not, not synthetics, but like the real natural plant materials are a calmative for us. Chemicals, on the other hand, when we look at neurobiology, Chemicals are actually registered in our psyche as stressors. Mm-hmm. So, you know, everybody says, oh, I've got these plugins for the air freshener. And is that okay? And, mm-hmm. and I go, no, actually it's not because they're completely chemical and you are now spreading, you know, artificial scent, which is a stressor throughout your home. Yeah. And dosing your pets and your children and everyone else along the way. You know, another thing is our air fresheners that we put into the dryer, right? Like Mm -hmm. the fabric uh, sheets or whatnot. That's another great source of poor air quality in our homes is the things that we put on the the clothes that we're putting on our skin or Mm -hmm. that we're putting on our sheets. So I really feel powerfully that you know, using certified pure therapeutic grade plant essences, which is tested. These things are tested 54 times to make sure there's no synthetics that have been added, um, you know, purposely or uh, accidentally um, so that we know that we are bringing into our homes the most natural result, which is being in homeostasis, right? Just like our ancestors had when they were out hunting and gathering and subsistence living outdoors, we can help ourselves get into that frame of mind and frame of emotion simply by what we choose to bring into our homes. So there's a lot of different things that enter in, but I think, you know, starting with the wellness um, pyramid and, and looking at how do we reduce our stressors how do we get back to who we really are intrinsically and then becoming whole and sharing our beautiful selves with the world? I mean, that's why we're here, right? Yes. I think this ties into, I was, I was going to ask you what 
what does your ideal world look like if you could wave a magic wand and everyone would kind of go along with this wish what one thing do you think would really change and shift the world to a much more healing perspective well i feel like if we were able to go back to a village um, approach for living and raising our families i mean that would free so much up i absolutely adore the writings of charles eisenstein who talks about sacred economy he talks about the village approach where the medicine person is taken care of whether they're healing someone or whether they're he's keeping them healthy or she's keeping them healthy right mm -hmm. so that person is cared for the healer whether or not someone is in need of them and their services at that moment, or whether they are, you know, busy wild crafting their plants or holding circle, um, you know, for a full moon. Um, so the idea that, you know, we're not supporting um, corporate America necessarily, we're supporting each other and our hopes and our dreams and our families and our crops and, and, we would be much more aware of our connections to each other if we could do that. We'd be much more aware of our dependence on the earth and the need for respect and decision-making for the future that way. Mm -hmm. um, and I really believe that, you know, we, we didn't come here to dominate. We came here to uplift and empower and coexist. And so I, you know, in my walk, that is, you know, I am an integrated being. I do work out there in the, in the third world sense, um, in the first world sense, in the, you know, um, family sense. But the thing for us is that we don't have extended family here um, where we are living now. And I have a kiddo that's ready to turn 13 and boy, would it be nice to have other people more actively engaged in his upbringing. You know what I mean? Yeah, community. Oh, my gosh. Like family community. Outrageous. Yeah. Yeah. Extended family. But, you know, take it to the village level where someone in the village is able to help with just about anything you might run into. Right? Yeah. I just love that. So I think that, you know, my wish for humankind is that we each uncover what our own medicines are and we each bring those medicines out into the forefront and help empower each other by using our own medicines not using something that someone else has mastered necessarily unless we have a gift for it as well but really just being able to lend and share and collaborate together. I mean, it's so much fun to be able to have circle together or, you know, hold ceremonies together or plan, you know, parties together or retreats or whatever it is. Um, I really think that's our highest intention. I am so with you on that. I think <laughs> I, one of the biggest things, um, I kind of took from that was, you know, what that sense of community, it really does have a ripple effect. So not only does it support the adults in the community, when, when you have that support structure and that ability to collaborate and everyone has their own kind of niche um, 
strength or, you know, knowledge base. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But then that also ripples down to the kids and that that's really I don't know exactly what I'm trying to say here. It's just energetically more pleasing than smaller smaller communities, you know, maybe, you know, families are so separated, especially now with the pandemic. Um, mm-hmm. you know, isolation is a massive thing. Even, you know, if you don't have family and you're just on your own these days, I think mm-hmm. energetically that has created such a rift and every everything ripples. So I really, really love that answer. Well, it's just interesting to be, you know, on both sides of it. Um, I was raised, you know, out in the country and easily a six, five to six hour plane ride away from my closest relatives <laughs> when I was growing up. And it, you know, it does present challenges to to kids that are trying to develop friends and, and have social structure when the kids are all on electronics these days and they hardly look up from their devices while they're sitting at a table together, having yogurt, you know, or, um, getting them out for a social outing and nobody's really sure. I mean, we're in such a weird place right now coming back from wearing masks for two years, but, um, it's really something where, people forget how to interact. And I know every time when I was a kid, we would get together with our extended family. It was like pulling teeth to get people to play nicely together because we never got to see each other, you know? And so I look at that and go, wow, I know right now for me as a parent, it would be so nice to have an extended family, but the kids, as you say, it really impacts how they socialize. Um, if they've got that, you know, core group of, you know, cousins or, or aunts and uncles or whatever that is. Right. Mm. So, yeah, I feel like, um, stress is probably like the thing that I see the most pervasive in my, not just my clients, but my family and, and friends is having to deal with, um, the obstacle of stress because it, ripples out and becomes stories it becomes thoughts and thoughts become things and if we can't run herd on those crazy emotions and I know um, your first guest talked about you know needing to go to the breath and slowing down the breath and letting the positive emotions follow that has to be a conscious decision just like reaching for a bottle of oil or going outside and plugging into the outdoors right so I think that's the first thing. And that helps get us out of that survival mode and move more up the pyramid, you know, um, into the higher realms for our psyche, choosing to make a different choice than that residual ever-present stress. Because that's really easy. It's really easy to be stressed, you know, like it almost feels lazy to me at this point. (laughs) Because it's like our go-to. Oh, how are you doing? Oh, I'm stressed. Well, yeah, right? It's a stressful world we're living in right now. But we can choose to be present with exactly what we're feeling all the time and just try to tweak and make different choices as we go. And I think that's one of the biggest parts that I love to do with clients is just share 
that reminder, you know, here's just another tool. It's not the be all end all. There is no silver bullet, but here's just another tool. And supporting each other and finding those tools is huge. So I'm so proud of you for starting this conversation. I think it's so important. I'm so excited to get you on here because the work that you do is, I think, I think anyone who just instinctively feels that this is something that needs to be done, like you were saying before, society and community used to just look after. That is something that our society today really has taken a back step on. So I am just so honored to be able to speak with you and healers. Like the work that you've done has blown me away. And there are so many results for healing really, you know, traumatic things um, Mm -hmm. that are much more simple and less scary when we, when we, have these conversations and talk about how to naturally help the body along. So I'm honored to have you. And before we wrap up, Linnell, last question, if you could give your younger self or the, the generation growing up right now, one piece of advice, what would it be? Go travel, follow your heart. I think that we have this stigma in this uh, modern day society that we've got to have everything figured out by the time we're 16. So we get into the right college and we're on the right track and we're absolutely designed for the just the perfect job. (sighs) It's exhausting. And I don't know what 16 year old has ever known what they wanted to do for the rest of their lives. Um, I didn't start traveling the world well. I went to Costa Rica when I was 19, which was a total fluke, but uh, my parents helped me get into a spring break tropical ecology field class. And I got to go to the mountains of Monte Verde, the cloud forest. And, you know, we drove through uh, four hours on this little bus through clear cut mountainside that had once been, you know, coast to coast forest of Costa Rica. I mean, rich coast is what Costa Rica means. And, and yet it was clear cut and it had been um, harvested for cattle to graze um, so that McDonald's could buy them and McDonald's in the U S and Canada and, and, and not even, you know, for the people who were living in that country. And I just realized at that time that I needed to be close to the earth. I needed to be protecting the earth. I needed to be helping people make better choices. And so from the time I was 19, I have not eaten fast food because of that lesson that I received. And no one could have taught me that without actually me going there. So I think that, you know, each one of us receives messages in our own way at our own time and and in the way that we can, you know, understand it the best. And I think experiential uh, learning is bar none. You know, there's nothing that's going to um, teach you to be in the world um, doing what you need to be doing as much as travel. So... I love you so, so much, Linnell. Um, We'll have a quick 
uh, chat after this, but thank you so much, everybody, for joining us. That is a wrap, beautiful people. If you have projects that you want to let people know about Linnell, or if you're able to just let us know your website again and where the people can find you um, so that if they are needing some healing from Linnell, the wellness scientist, they're able to, to click on and connect. So if you are needing hope, inspiration, or healing, um, I deal in all three. My website is linnellgarfield.com, L-Y-N-E-L-L-G-A-R-F-I-E-L-D.com. And all the trifecta of things that I provide and can empower with um, is hooked up on the website. Alisa, thank you so, so, so much. You're a bright star, and I'm so glad to know you. I love you. Oh, you're so sweet. All right. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We will tune in, and you'll hear from us next week. Thank you.